0: Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro recharge kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.
1: Hey, Rob Bradford here. You guys know I'm always up for a good MVP story and one of the best The power of their data. Wasabi, another Boston-based championship team.
0: All right, as far as Seng is concerned, it's a five-year, $85 million deal. Assuming the money isn't spread out differently, that adds up to $15 million a season. He has an opt-out after year three. What that essentially means is if Kode Seng is as good as we expect, he's done after three years. This is another short-term contract. Now, if he doesn't opt-out, that's actually a really bad sign. Because he's making fifteen a year. And as I just laid out, Taiwan Walker is making more. And that's not a knock. Taiwan Walker's a fine pitcher. He's an adequate pitcher. But if Kode Seng is looking at the market in three years and saying, I can't do better than two years thirty million, because that's all that's left, that's probably not a good sign for us. So I think you have to look at this contract as yet another short-term deal that Billy Epler has hooked up. It's a three year contract. Uh, $45 million contract. Here are the concerns about Senga, and here's how maybe this needs to be attacked. Kode Senga has never thrown more than 180 innings in a season. That happened back in 2019. Senga has never made more than 26 starts in a season. That happened in 2016, in which he threw virtually the same amount of innings as he did in 19, about 177. 175 innings, 180 innings nowadays, actually not a bad thing. Like I, The old benchmark was, can you get me to 200 innings? I don't think realistically you're looking at many guys to get you to 200 innings. To put it in the proper context, Chris Bassett, the guy he's replacing, made 30 starts last year and threw 181 innings. So if Kode Senga matches what Bassett did last year and matches his career high in innings, I think that's a win. If it's a few innings less, not a big deal. If it's 130 innings, that's a problem. Because now you're looking to replace those 50 innings. Look, they lost 181 innings out of Chris Bassett and 157 innings out of Tywon Walker. They have replaced it with Senga and with Quintana. And the hope is both guys will not only do it, but they'll do a better job of it. The key of what Walker and Bassett did last year is that you keep your fingers crossed with Quintana and with Senga, is that they went out and made their starts. Both guys went out and gave you full seasons. Taiwan Walker made 29 starts last year. Chris Bassett made 30 starts last year. But that's the most inning Senga's ever thrown. And Kode Senga right now is in the prime of his career. He's 30 years old. His career ERA in Japan is 2.42. So in looking for a comparison, I said, all right, let me find the guy who had similar numbers in Japan so I can see, all right, he's got similar numbers to this guy, and then look at how that guy translated. Masahiro Tanaka would be the answer. Tanaka, now he came over five years younger, in fairness, but Tanaka had a 2.46 ERA in Japan. You Darvish, who came over at 25, had a 1.99 ERA in Japan. Hideo Nomo had a 3.19 ERA in Japan, Dice K306. Hiroki Kuroda, Hiroki Kuroda, I give him credit, was like the same guy in Japan as he was in the majors. Like his numbers never changed. They were basically identical. He was Mr. Consistency. He came over when he was 33 and had a 3.55 ERA. But here's the thing about Senga. I mentioned that's his career ERA. If you look at his numbers last year, you know, the most recent example, of Kode Sanga pitching, he had a 1.89 ERA. And he did that in 148 innings and 23 starts. So maybe the best of Kode Senga is happening right now because this is the prime of his career. 29, 30, 31, this is it. So you look at the other guys that have come over. Tanaka ended up with an ERA of 3.7 in the major league. So it's pretty high. Compared to what it was in Japan. But like I mentioned, that first year he was here, he was completely unhittable. And I think turned into a real solid middle towards front end starting pitcher in the U.S. We know how good Yu Darvish has become. Nomo was up and down. Matsuzaka was up and down. Kuroda was really, really solid. There, There's no way to know what Kode Senga is going to be. But in terms of the innings that I talked about where... He hasn't thrown more than 180 innings in a season and hasn't made more than 26 starts in a season. It furthers the point I brought up to you last week, Pete, that I think they've got to consider, even if it's not for the full season, for part of the season, going with a six-man rotation, assuming that they're healthy. It's what Senga would be used to from his days in Japan. It keeps Verlander and Scherzer well rested. So you got three guys, I think, in that rotation that would benefit from it. Quintana, assuming he's healthy, not a big deal. Carrasco getting a little bit older, so assuming he's still here, that could help. And it allows you a chance to see David Peterson and/or Tyler McGill in this rotation. But I think adding Senga to me only furthers the idea that it would make sense to go with a six-man rotation. Your thoughts?
2: Well, listen, I mean the. You, have, you still have Carrasco, which I'm still curious to see what they're going to do with Carrasco. I feel like there's a lot of rumblings that they may trade him, uh, which would then cut into your whole six man rotation thing, even though they still have so much depth. Uh, you, you talk about Senga, you talk about his innings. He never really went past 180. Is there any injury history that we know of with, with Senga? That's my one concern. Has he had, like, Tanaka came here and the first thing was, uh oh, the UCL. He played without ever having Tommy John surgery, but that was always a question. Is there anything like that with Senga that we do know of? I think he had an ankle issue
0: for a while. Like, I know he had that. I read about him having an ankle issue, which is not overly concerning. Yeah, we're never going to ask him to pinch run. <laughs> right, right. And that, uh, any injury you're worried about is always shoulder or arm related. So that was the only thing I ever really saw. A part of it is that it's just different rituals in Japan. Guys pitch once a week. Guys aren't pitching every five days. And, you know, early in the season with a lot of off days, it it really isn't a big deal because with off days and with rainouts, there are a lot of times throughout a season in which you're not pitching on regular rest. In fact, if you look at the season as a whole, more times than not, you're not pitching on regular rest. Like if you look at a breakdown, I'd have to guess it's almost half and half where you get the fifth or sixth day of rest as compared to the four days of rest, but that's a part of just coming over and one of the kind of uh, adjustments Japanese pitchers have to make is that the rotations are different. You just don't pitch as much over there. That's why he's never made 30 starts in a season. It's
2: not necessarily because he isn't healthy. It's because that's not what they do over there. Well, you're also going to have a situation. Look, we got into a lot of like, you know, the fact that the season was so, not I want not say compacted, but there was a lot of impact with weather delay with rain and stuff like that and then we had a bunch of double headers that were thrown in there and that's where you kind of like how are we, how are we going to make this work which is where the 6-6 six, six man rotation actually comes in handy you know what i mean so like rather than having people on short rest yet you're able to be to stretch that that rotation out so much I'm not opposed to it. The more I think about it, the more we talk about it, I'm really into it. Again, I think Joey Lucchese, personally speaking, is going to be somebody that's going to come and step up into this rotation and be a main. He's going to be sort of what you kind of want David Peterson to be, what Tyler McGill did for a moment, what Walker kind of did. I don't know if he's going to eat as many innings, but I think his stuff is going to play in that rotation more.
0: Yeah, that's another option. That's another reason for it because assuming health, and I know you can't because guys are going to get hurt as much as we fear it. And it's funny, the Mets last year, you think of DeGrom and you think of Scherzer, but the rest of the rotation was healthy. You know, Carlos Carrasco missed a couple of turns, not a big deal. Taiwan Walker was mostly healthy. Chris Bass was mostly healthy. So 60% of that rotation essentially went out every five days and started. It was the top-end guys in DeGrom and Scherzer who missed extended period of time, but... You mentioned Lucchese, David Peterson, Tyler McGill. Not as much Elisar Hernandez, but he's yet another option. Jose Budo, again, another option. They have a lot of guys, and it's going to be important over the next couple of years to develop some arms. The guy who I think who has the biggest upside is David Peterson. To you, it's Joey Lucchese. All right, well, let's see what they have. You know, that's, that's the bottom line. Let's just see what these guys are. And I also think it'll just make it easier for a guy like Kode Senga to get used to this when... He'll make starts on the fifth day. Like, it's going to happen, but maybe it doesn't happen on a really consistent basis. And I do think it benefits Verlander and it benefits Scherzer. By the way, when the announcement's made or you find out, did you have raw excitement about the Senga signing or was it very matter-of-fact for you? Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you.
2: Uh, There was one person who announced it and I, you know, me like there's, I have to be specific. First of all, we went to the John Heyman and the, uh, and a few years ago, Bob Nightingale. So you get hesitant and the person that announced it, we don't usually trust as a source. So, like, I'm sitting there going, like, all right, give me another source. And everyone's like, oh, but look, it's spreading out. And it's like SMY's reporting it. MLB Network, fucks. But they're all citing the same guy as a source. I'm like, I don't believe it. And then Passin, and then Ken Rosenthal, the other people finally came. fine sand came on board. Then I then I was like, okay, relief. So I was, like, a little bit like, <laughs> I don't want to fall down this pace. Because, listen, I understand. Sango was the clear-cut guy, so does it change anything of, like, Everything is lining up the way we expected. We expected as soon as DeGrom wasn't going to be there, Verland is in the mix. We expected Quintana was to be someone that was going to be on the radar, which I kind of, we never actually nailed Quintana, said that that was going to be the pickup, but we knew something like that. So it made sense. Senga was the guy that was like, oh, makes so much sense, especially with Otani coming back. We said we need to get Nemo. It happened. So it wasn't like this, like, oh my God, we got our guy. It's like, Okay, but what's next? Like, I'm still waiting for one more big chip <laughs> to fall. And here's the thing is, you broke it down. Dude, you said it. Like, we're over the luxury tax. It is what it is. And you talking about, like, how we could have spent money differently. Verlander's money could have gone towards Andrew freaking Heaney. No, but here's the thing is, dude, we're talking about there's going to be trades made. I think people forget this. We're, we're we're talking about things that are actually happening. We've been saying the Mets need to now trade some assets. James McCann is, what, $12 million. If you package him with, I'm not sure if they're going to do it, but an Escobar or, or a Kana or even Carrasco, you're talking about $20 million plus off the books. You're telling me you can't go $30 million for Carlos Correa? <laughs>
0: I don't think they're going to go after Carlos Correa. I really don't. And I think a lot of it is that if you look at the way this team has spent, obviously Nimo is a long-term deal. Edwin Diaz is a long-term deal. But the Verlander one is not a long-term deal. Quintana's not a long-term deal. And even Senga, if he's any good, it's not a long-term deal. It's going to be a three-year contract because he's going to opt out. I don't think for a guy like Correa, who I've got some concerns about, uh, there's been talk that he's got back issues he's dealing with. And if you're going to commit to a nine or 10 year contract, which is, I think what they would have to do, uh, I'd be pretty concerned about laying out a 10 year, $300 million deal. I got to tell you, uh, that's not to say Correa on this team doesn't make it better. Obviously it does. But on a contract like that, I'd be a tad concerned. And I don't know how much more they're actually going to spend, but I will say this when they lost the Grom and obviously I was devastated You were devastated. We laid out what we now wanted them to do. It took a couple of days, but we dusted ourselves off and said, all right, these are the guys we want. And you could go back to that DeGrom episode. To me, it was Verlander-Senga. And the reason I never brought up Quintana, and this is what surprises me, is I didn't think they were going to add three starting pitchers. I didn't. I thought that... Because I didn't think of trading Carlos Carrasco, which I agree with you, is on the table. It's not a lock, but I think they'll certainly listen and see what kind of value he has. Because logic says he'll have a lot of value. You miss out on Senga, you miss out on Taiwan Walker, you miss out on any pitcher you were going after, you could acquire a guy on a one-year deal, a very reasonable contract. But I figured, and this is where I was clearly wrong, that they were going to replace Bassett, Taiwan Walker, and DeGrom with two guys. And then basically treat the fifth spot in the rotation – as a competition amongst David Peterson and Tyler McGill. They ultimately still may do that if they trade Carrasco. But when we were laying out this offseason, I didn't think of it that way. I thought of it as they'll add two guys. And once they lost the Grom, the two guys I wanted, the two guys you wanted, they added. So while I'm not celebrating because there's still a part of me hurt by everything that happened with Jake, you do have to move on. I'm a Met fan. I can't live with the DeGrom pain forever. They pivoted in the way that we wanted by adding Senga and by adding Justin Verlander on a short-term contract. They're not done, though. I mean, you're right. Now, I don't think they're they're not done leads to a 10-year contract for Carlos Correa or a six-year contract for Dansby B. Swanson, and I don't think it has to because I think the Mets are showing you the formula right now. They're showing you the strategy. And the strategy is we are going to spend, we don't care about the luxury tax, but we're going to do it on short-term smart contracts. If all of these contracts fail, and I don't want to say all of them because Nimo and Diaz are a little bit different, but if Verlander fails, if Quintana fails, Scherzer at the end of his contract fails, the money goes away. And you'll be able to pivot to something else next year, year after, year after that. So in terms of, okay, guys, what do they do next? I think that, yeah, they're going to look to trade McCann. I don't know if they're going to look to trade Escobar and Canada, but considering the money they make, they can be had, especially if you want to give Beatty the third-base job. Hey, trading Canna is a little bit more difficult. Like, who the hell is playing left field then? The Mets are not exactly flush with outfielders right now. They only have one, two, three, four outfielders on their 40-man roster. Not including a guy like Jeff McNeil, who could play the outfielder, Darren Ruffway, assume is going to be traded away because they're not having Darren Ruff on the opening day roster. They only have Kanna, Nimo, Marte, Khalil Lee. That's it. So they're not exactly in a position to be dealing away Canna unless they want to pivot to signing, you know, a fourth or fifth outfielder. And there are some available. You want to go sign Tommy Pham? You want to go sign Chad Pinder, the former A, who could play everywhere. They can't sign Guillermo Heredia because he signed in the KBO, plus he sucks, so who the hell wants him? I do like Tim LaCastro though. I think he's a perfect fit. Right-handed outfielder, a lot of speed, pinch runner off the bench. I think that'd be a nice addition.
2: What about the the guy, Tilapia? What's the the guy from the... Rymel Tapia. There we go, Tilapia, yeah. Uh, (laughs) He's a a left-handed bat. I think I'd prefer a
0: right-handed bat if i'm really thinking about my fourth outfielder
2: i'm just I, listen i'm not trying to sell any team to on 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 trading for Cana or trading for escobar but think about this those two combined make like 20 million dollars and next year's contracts are opt you can it's a club option so you don't have to pick it back up yeah but what do they do here's my question with that
0: if they're trading canna and escobar's money what's the reason Is it to save on the tax bill, or is it because they're going to go sign someone else?
2: If you're telling me that it's too much money to commit, and I understand the the Correa thing is it's it's a long term, you still need a big-time bat, so... J.D. Martinez, say for example, if he's a one-year deal for twenty-five plus million dollars or whatever, I don't think I think that's too much. It's now. not twenty-five million. It no. is. That's that, yeah, right, exactly. But the point is, you could still sign someone, even if it's a two-year deal with a one-year opt-out. Yes, you could sign someone like J.D. Martinez, and if if it's a question of well, I don't know if they could spend that much money because you're still gonna get some more relief. Uh, bullpen help and stuff like that and we still need to get a bat so we'll get a small piece you could trade those guys allocate 20 million dollars and boom jd martinez no that's come fine on if, if if that's the reason to do it like I, I,
0: that's what i'm asking about if you're trading canon escobar because and look steve cohen's spending a lot of money so i'm not going to sit here bitching about his tax bill and how high it needs to be i appreciate how much he spent right now the bill in total payroll tax could be up to 400 million dollars so it's in a whole new world compared to the world we were used to with the Wilpons. But when you say, hey, you can package McCann and Canna and Escobar, forget McCann, he's useless. Canna and Escobar are not useless. I don't want to trade them strictly to save on a tax bill. You know, if you're telling me you're trading them because then you're going to use that money to sign a right-handed DH, okay, let's talk about it. Okay, fine. But I'm not doing it. Because I think it makes the team worse if you're just looking to save on a tax bill. I mean, Cohen can do it. I'm not going to yell at him but that's not something i'm endorsing right now.
2: No, i'm not saving money so that i can go and like, you know, lower our bill. I did, at this point in time, they're they're over. And i think he has a quote where it's like i'm not going to go over by like a million or two. If I'm going to go over, i'm going to go over. And that's what they're doing. By the way, then there's the, no reason to trade Escobar and I uh, can. Well, and just, what the hell's the difference? And just, they're just th- go th- sign the right-handed DH. Then and then i'm fine with that. But you got to you got to you have to do that. You can't not do that. And by the way, i just want to say something. You and i had this conversation well before the offseason even started. I looked at you and said, we need to do this, that, the other thing. And you go, the the payroll's going to be over $350 million. I said, yes. And that's what it should be. We had that conversation a thousand times off there. So I'm happy that our owner has realized that in this year, particularly, he had to make this move to go over and make and have a payroll of $350 million. It had to right. happen. Right. And, and like I said, it could have
0: been higher if he retained his guys. Like, Chris Bassett's going to make more money than Kode Senga, and Taiwan Walker is making more money than Jose Quintana. So this bill, which is incredibly high, to retain a bunch of guys, or at least retain spots, the, the number three spot in a rotation, number five spot in the rotation, they've actually saved compared to bringing just Chris Bassett back and Taiwan Walker back. I, they're, they're Look, it's December. It's the middle of December. I mean, there's going to be other moves, whether it's trades, whether it's a right-handed DH. I agree with you with the bullpen, but right now, so far, I'm happy. That'd be my answer. So far, I'm happy with what's going on. Disappointed about the Jake stuff, but I think they pivoted in the right way. The rotation has a chance to be elite. Their bullpen has a really good one-two punch at the end now with David Robertson and Edwin Diaz, and I love the deal for Brooks Raleigh. I think it's an underrated kind of trade. And look, the lineup impact, is going to be about Alvarez and Beatty. That's where the lineup needs to get better. It's not as if the Mets are running back the exact same lineup with no reinforcements. It's easy to think that, assuming they don't make another move for a bat. They're adding guys who barely played last year in Brett Beatty and Francisco Alvarez.